and welcome back to Dak and Rick's Pod. I'm Dak. And I'm Rick. And this is a Father Son Podcast where we talk about all things sports. And today we have a lot to mention, so let's jump right into it. How you doing? Doing good. Excited about the games that we've seen, the, the plays that we've seen today. Very exciting, very different. Yes, um, Dolphins, we've had Hurricane, we've had Formula One, we've had the Miami Heat all in one weekend. It's quite the exciting time to be non-stop, a sports fan. Non-stop. It has not. The Heat, let's start there because I'm going to be quick with it. Have flat out stunk. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, yeah. All right, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk well, about... Spolstra has his hands full, but he knows... He says he, they're this little, this much away from really getting it all together. The only positive thing is the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are 1-5, the Heat are 2-5, and five, the Philadelphia 76ers are 2-4. and four. So the teams that are supposed to be good aren't really panning out. The LA Lakers are 0-5. So, you know, hey, there's promise. The, yeah, there's promise of going off to a it's slow a, it's start. It's a very long season. There's 82 games. They've right. played seven, I think. That ma- Yeah, that math works. They've played about seven games. Like Ellsberg told you, two plus two is four. No, it's five. It's five, okay. Because it's supposed to be more than what That's right. you added up. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Rough week uh, coming up. They have the Golden State Warriors at home on Tuesday. They play the Sacramento Kings again on Wednesday, I believe. Here in FTX. At FTX, and then they go away on Friday, I think. Then they come back, I want to say, next Monday or something like that. I don't know. I don't have the schedule in front of me. That's purely off memory. But yeah, uh, I think we're good on that part. No. Yeah, let's move on from the heat. Anyways, now let's talk some really exciting football. Well, not that really much of an exciting game. It was a bloodbath in Virginia this weekend. The University of Miami defeats the Virginia... Are they the Cavaliers? I forget if who's if Virginia Tech. I think Virginia's the Cavaliers. They defeat them twelve to fourteen in four overtimes. What do you have to say about that game? You know, was a the, what I have to say about that game is that we won. That's what I really have to say about that game. But you know, I personally never experienced seeing the University of Miami go into so many overtimes. Yes, it was four. It was four, and I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. I think the kicker was good. I think. Yeah, let's talk about Andy Borregales, four for four from field goals along of uh, 42. He scored 12 out of the 14 points for the University of Miami. And let's talk about the opposing kicker, uh, Will Betridge, also four for four on field goals. He scored 12 points, 41 long. Both Miami boys, so congratulations to those guys. Do we have the clap? We do. Give me a second. There we go. That's the clap. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Two Miami boys. One is from where? Uh, from Gulliver, Will Betridge, and uh, I don't know where Andy Borgales is from, but he's from Miami, or the general Miami area. That's fantastic. South well, Florida. The bottom line is we won that game again. There's a little work for Chris Ball to do this uh, week. There's and, a lot of work uh, for Chris Ball to do, as the team could only score field goals until the end. But, hey, I mean, better was, than losing. That, that was very interesting. You know, I got a lot of calls from a lot of people saying that they also, at least my age, my age group that they really never experienced that and it was very cool to see how the overtime first worked how they went you know they got the ball at the 20 you know at the red sort of almost on the red zone yeah you and college you get the ball at the 25 for the first overtime for the second overtime and then no wait i think second overtime oh no 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 second overtime then third overtime it becomes two point conversions and miami won on the fourth overtime getting two points compared to zero. Very interesting how in college all this overtime works. It was, and I got to tell you, it was I like also how it exciting. doesn't end in a tie. Yep, and it's also very exciting. This could have gone at, on in 
Yeah, and, de- and definitely. And who knows if we would be sitting here being able to record a podcast <laughs> after that. But let's talk about the one bright spot on the team. Henry Parrish Jr., 24 carries, 113 yards. Miami's got a running game again. You have to wonder if how that's coming now to be. And you got to wonder how did he get into the red zone? Or not the red zone, the end zone uh, with such a dominant performance. And it definitely confused the Cavaliers. I, I hope the Cavaliers. I'm going to keep calling them Cavaliers. Pretty sure they are. But it definitely confused the Cavaliers as they bit on the play action there at the end when Jake Garcia scored that two-point conversion to win it in fourth overtime. Right. So it worked, and that doesn't work a week ago when Henry Parrish isn't going off for 114, 113, 113 yards. So what do you have to say about that? There's some. Oh, he was fantastic. There's some bright spots there at UM. Um, as we move forward, as we look forward to yeah, UM, talk, talk about to Colby us, Young. Yeah, talk, talk about the... Um, about the what? About the uh, the incoming player. Oh, yeah. You know what? That actually is big news. Uh, Miami locked up number two in the nation. Do I know his name off the top of my head? No. I know his first name's Cormani. Give me a second. Um, Miami signed five-star cornerback Cormani McLean. Uh, he commits to Miami, the number two prospect in the class of 2023, chose the Hurricanes over Florida and Alabama. McLean is the highest uh, rated cornerback to commit to the University of Miami in the ranking era. This boosts Miami back into the number eight spot of the 2023 rankings, having the best class. So now Miami's getting number two and number six to commit. That is number two being Cormani and number six being Francis Maugoa, an offensive tackle from Hawaii by way, or I guess from IMG Academy by way of Hawaii. So definitely well, interesting. The bottom line is, is that Cristobal still is attracting. attracting. Yeah, these guys want to come to Miami. They, they, aren't, they aren't scared of the challenge. So we'll see if this challenge is too insurmountable for these guys but i don't think so i think they're gonna do great i think they're you know again it's it's only cristobal's first year here come on give him a break he has to rebuild the team he's doing that he's proving to the people that they're coming in that they want yeah they want to come and try so so i mean you know you can't ask for more and i think he's doing a good job well we're stuck with him for 10 years so hopefully in in those 10 years he's able to do something what do you have to say about that? I don't think it's going to take him 10 years to do something and and uh anyways well he never won the big game at oregon so He's going to win it here at the U. Okay. Now let's go on to today's game. Yes. We will move on to today's game of the Miami Dolphins. They improved to 5-3, 31-27 over former head coach of the Dolphins, Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions, who are now 1-6. Tua, impressive, 382 yards, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 188 yards, zero touchdowns. But guess who did have two of those touchdowns? Jalen Waddell. He had eight receptions, 106 yards. And let's talk about Mike Gusecki because, of course, we have to. Uh, three receptions, 38 yards, one touchdown, and one, or actually no gritties today. So that was a good thing. I think thing. he wanted to. I think he, he definitely tried. wanted to do the gritty. And leading the team in tackles is number eight, Javon Holland, with a total of 12, 10 of those being his own, two of them being assisted. Uh, one sack on the day for Zach Sealer, uh, the Michigan boy, returning to his hometown. And what about the two blocks, the two passes that he blocked? Yes, he did do that as well. He did bat down two blocks, or two passes. And Jason Sanders was one for one on field goals, 45 yards. And yeah, overall great. And from what I understand, Groff never had, at least this season, no one's blocked any of his passes. Yes, uh, Jared Goff. We can talk about him. Um, And the bottom line 21 yards, one touchdown. Um, Yeah, Detroit killed us in the run game with two touchdowns coming from there. But ultimately, the Dolphins showed up and in the fourth, or in the second half, uh, scored 14 unanswered points, and that won them the game. They were fantastic in that regard. However, I got to tell you, kudos to uh, former head Miami head coach or interim head coach, 
Campbell. You know, I thought he was doing a good job. When we were sitting there watching it, first quarter, second quarter, I was pretty concerned because they were putting points on that board. They were scoring. They were passing that goal line. Yeah, they were putting points on the board, and the Dolphins were being very sloppy. Uh, a lot of uh, unnecessary penalties, and a lot of them got declined, luckily, but that's not going to happen every week. Absolutely. They have to... That's something that McDaniels has to definitely work on with the team are those penalties. they got to keep it down. I remember that was one of Shula's, Coach Shula's main things, was keeping penalties to a, to a zero. Obviously, yeah. you can't make it to a zero, but, you know, keeping them to a minimal. One thing to uh, a minimum that I have to say about uh, Mike McDaniels, former, uh, the guy who held his job formerly, we don't really like him over here at Dak and Rick's pod, but uh, one thing that I do have to say, he instilled a, fearful culture about penalties and made sure that no one would commit any penalties. So maybe Mike McDaniel can take a little bit of uh, that and bring it over here because maybe all this fun and it looks great. And look, they're winning. They're, they're five and three. And without, and without Tua getting injured, they're probably six and one, seven and oh right now. So, you know, and I gotta tell are you they that- doing it wrong? Probably not. But these penalties are going to end up biting them if they want to really be a real contender. No, they definitely have to work on that. That's a, an absolute. That's nothing even to discuss. But let me tell you this. You know, let's go back and think of what's going on with the Miami Dolphins. Head coach McDaniels, in his prior to becoming the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, he wasn't a calling of plays. He was an assist. He was not an assistant head coach. He was not that involved. I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. Yeah, he was just a run game coordinator. Right. So. And he comes here, he's calling the plays, and he even admitted today in his press conference that, you know, a few of the times he was late in giving two of the plays. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, coordination and, and a lot of experience that he still needs to acquire in order for this to be a smooth transition from the head coach calling to Tua, to Tua getting the word out to the players, so I mean, you know, it's it's a process. It's uh, but it's it's it definitely will be one. But he has a couple of years to figure it out, and hopefully, he's able to. And I think that's where we'll drop the Dolphins conversation because we've been talking about Miami sports, and we saw something very interesting this weekend. Uh, but I think we'll save that for the second half of the show. So we'll take us to our first break, and we're back. Yes, we are here, and let's talk about something that's very interesting that we watched this evening. Dak, the Redeem team. Yeah, uh, the new Netflix documentary chronicling the 2008 Redeem team, team that had Kobe, uh, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony, Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Michael Redd, uh, Tayshawn Prince, Dwight Howard, CP3, and I'm missing one to name all 12. Oh, Carlos Boozer. I think I hit I all 12. I think you mentioned him. Yeah, all right. Oh, well, nice. Let me tell you, it was an incredible. It was, it was I was nice... four years old when that team was around, so I'm proud of myself to know all 12 of them. But it was a nice journey for the United States, for the Olympic team, for Coach K. I mean, it was, you know, they, they chronicled how, you know, they lost all the way back when um, and how they came about, how Coach K really had to impress upon them that they all had egos, they're all alpha males, but the bottom line is he said, bring that to the stadium, bring that to the practice. But just understand that under that, there has to be, it has to be go under an umbrella of, ego for the entire team and i think that's what made it click i think that's what you know among other things that they finally understood that this was not about the nba this was about representing the united states of america in the olympics yeah coach k and army grad uh made it clear that you know this isn't about one person show it's about being a team and representing those those three letters on your chest and how impactful that is and 
you know, this this documentary or film was executive produced by Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, two guys who were on that team. And to be honest, they didn't take the forefront. It was really the Kobe show on, on this very, documentary. Well, and it was, it was, it was, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was very nice to see, you know, how they brought in the perspective of, you know, how Kobe was, how he was independent, how he was like the May he star. rest in peace, I should, we yeah. should also say. Yeah, and he was the star, and yet he came in, and he was very independent. He was very much and he changed into the himself, culture. but yet he realized, Kobe realized that this wasn't the Kobe show either, and the only way that he was going to make an impact was if they all worked together, and they did work together as a team, and Kobe was the first one that set the guidelines, that set the parameters. You yeah, know? he was the old head, so he instilled right. in them a work ethic, and it started with Kobe, and then it became LeBron and D-Wade, and then... A week later, Carmelo Anthony says everybody was there. And he couldn't wake up at 4.30 in the morning, but... Well, to step back, yeah, to step back, what happened was that what we saw in the program was that they all went to... They all went out partying. Except for Kobe Kobe. Bride, Kobe State. And when they showed back up at the hotel at At 4 in the morning... morning, Right, 4 or 5 in the morning, He had already worked out. Right, worked out, and he was getting ready to go to the the gym and to play basketball and to practice, and and they were all... That mob mentality was really different. And then the, the following day... D Wade and uh, LeBron, you know, teamed up and they said, "Hey, if he, this guy's doing it, I'm, we're going to do it." And then it trickled down. It was a domino effect. And then they won a gold medal. Yeah, how beautiful a story! It was a great story. And if you have the opportunity, whoever's out there listening, watch it because it's really impactful, and it really teaches you a lot, not only about the star players, but about what it is to to work as a team. I mean, you know, Coach K not only brought in people from the uh, arm, you know, armed services heroes, people that really fought that. That to impress upon them how, you know, when you're out there in the battlefield, it can't be a one-man a one show. It has to be a team show and how to protect each other and how to work with each other. I mean, that was fantastic, but that wasn't the only thing that he brought. He also brought in the... Um, Doug Collins. Doug Collins, who played way back... In 1972, when, in when the, the United States lost to the USSR and got right. cheated out of a gold medal. Exactly, and, and, you know, it was wonderful to see his words of wisdom and how it impacted all these players. So, I mean... There's a lot to learn from this uh, documentary. And it also shows the beginning of USA Basketball and to what it is today about how they actually care about, you know, not just showing up and saying, oh, we're the United States, we're here, we're winning, we're leaving, that they care now about creating this developmental system. And now guys like Bam Adebayo have come through the ranks and are now gold medalists because of that system that has been built by uh, Team absolutely. USA and by Coach K. And then now Coach Popovich continued it. Absolutely. Well, anyways, I just wanted to say, if you have an opportunity to watch it, watch it. It's something that's very impactful, very nice. I enjoyed it. And that's all I have to say about the the Redeem team. Well, with all that being said, you know what? Uh, you, you told me to mention it a little bit earlier, so I will since we mentioned it at the start of the show. Uh, just your little F1 update. Max Verstappen wins again. Who would have thought? But we're headed to Brazil in two weeks. Hopefully a more exciting race than just Verstappen winning. Uh, P2 was uh, Lewis Hamilton in P3 with Chaco Perez in his home race. Wasn't able to get the victory. No Mexican has ever won his home Grand Prix. Because this was in Mexico City. It was. And next, in two weeks, it's going to be in Brazil. In Brazil, and then we go to Abu Dhabi to end the season. Although the season's kind of already over. That's the one thing I still don't understand about F1, how the season ends so early, and there's still races to go. But Max Verstappen just has dominated this year. Oh, he broke the record for most wins in a Formula 1 season at 14. So congratulations to him for that. Uh, Red Bull... Uh, is now the constructors champion and things are heating up in the battle for uh, P2 in the driver's championship between Checo and Charles Leclerc as well as P2 in the constructors between Ferrari and Mercedes as well as 
bunch of the other teams fighting for positioning. McLaren, Alpine, uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, Aston Martin, stuff like that. So, yeah, there's still excitement. Well, on that exciting note, watch it in two weeks when from Brazil. And, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully it takes us less than two weeks to make another episode of Dakar X Spot. Huh? Yeah, but, but it. <laughs> But it is an incredible thing to really, if you, people that, if you watch the F1, and, you know, we've been able to attend it here in Miami, it, it is an incredible that they, they have this intense race, and they go from country to country. It's like nonstop. Time zones and changing places I mean, in the world. It's unbelievable. It's so so we, when we say it's the end of the season, it's a end of the season well-deserved, because I Most don't know definitely. how they do it. Yep, and it's not only them; it's the entire team behind them. There are dozens of people. Yep, everybody at Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Aston Martin. But I mean, uh, you Alpine, know, we, we Mercedes, always think about um, the driver. McLaren. You think about the driver, but all the you know. Yeah, the, he's the guy that gets all the top top notch service, everything. These, but I mean, when there's you, other when guys who are the engineers, the guys behind uh, them who really make them yeah, are the guys that are traveling all these long hours and not doing all the fame and not getting all the money and not getting all that. That's the real backbone of the F1 team. And even when they're there, the day of the race, they're there, you know. Yeah, they're there to work, and then they and they take I mean, it down. But they're, they're watching, day. and they're they're giving the advice to the uh, the driver. And when the driver comes into the pit stop, they you know they're the ones who are telling him you know what to yeah, do. Yeah, those pit stops are just incredible, unbelievable. Anyways, on that note, I guess we're ending off the show. Anything else you want to add on? Look forward to seeing everyone soon. Yeah, hopefully we do more of these. Anyways. Thank you so much for listening to Dak and Rick's Pod. If uh, you enjoyed, be sure to rate us five stars on all platforms. Be sure to follow at Dak and Rick's Pod, uh, at Dak25 underscore for my own personal account, at R-K-U-P-E-R Law uh, for my buddy Rick over here. And yeah, with all that being said, thank you. Anything you want to say? Good night. Yep. Good night, everybody.